That's the trick that you're trying to pull every time you're working on a social campaign or even just writing a blog post. And I started out in journalism actually in college. So that is, I found really helpful because I have that background and mindset of you got to, you know, find the story and figure out how to tell it. We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. Throw it in the garbage and start from scratch. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> our sponsor for this episode is our 14-day video script challenge. Yes, we are sponsoring our own show. Yes, we are. <laughs> Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. This is your co-host, Benton Crane, and I am joined today by Sarah Parker. Hello. Welcome, Sarah. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Great. <laughs> so Sarah is the social media content manager for mm -hmm. Trendkite. Yes. What is Trendkite? <laughs> uh, so Trendkite is a media monitoring platform. So we have um, dashboards where you could pull in everything you want to know about all of the media around your brand, earned, paid, owned, everything. We really concentrate on the earned media because that's where there's a lot of potential for brands to really tap into and amplify, you know, what people are already talking about them or learn some things if it's not so great, <laughs> just your strategy. Uh, and we have social media analytics as well as part of that. So we have that monitoring capability. And now that we just got acquired by Cision, uh, we now have their amazing database as well. So it's it's a lot. And what is Cision? Cision um, is also a media monitoring company. They're both huge in the PR space. Um, and this way we can bring together all of the best parts of what we have and have something really special. Very cool. So PR space, mm -hmm. earned media. Yeah. Of course, for those of us who are dumb, right? Earned media <laughs> is as opposed to paid media. Yeah. So this is um, things that people are talking about around your brand that you aren't controlling the message or putting it out there. Like it's not your owned media. It's not your messaging. It's not what you're paying to have placed somewhere. It's what just the conversation that's happening. So when a news channel or a blog yeah. picks you up and writes about you, mm -hmm. that would be earned media. Exactly. And it. yeah, it's a great way to, if you take that and like you can amplify it across your social accounts to really get more out of that on your owned media. It's fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. Very cool. So Sarah, tell us about your path. How did you end up at Trendkite? Uh, well, I was at Union Metrics for five years. Uh, it's a social media analytics company that Trendkite acquired. So at Union Metrics, I was our social media manager. It was very meta. Uh, <laughs> social media, <laughs> managing social media for social media analytics. Um, so when I got to Trendkite, I took that over because they didn't really have a, one person who was owning it. And then I also do all the content. So it's fun. So you've gone through two recent acquisitions. Yes, in about eight months. I'm very tired. <laughs> Tell us about the cultural implications of going through an acquisition. Oh, man, that's a good one. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, with Union Metrics and Trendcart, our cultures were very similar. So we just moved from one office in Austin, like to their downtown office. And it was pretty easy for all of us to just, you know, find our find our spaces on our new teams and everything like that. Pretty smooth um, sailing. Yeah, totally. And with Cision, there is some differences in company culture. They have much more of a like work from home kind of uh, culture that is 
as exciting for a lot of people who would like more of that. Um, but you know, there's, that's always a double edged sword, because it's great to be able to collaborate in person as well. But they're such a big company that you know, you need that flexibility to let people work remotely when they need to, or if their spouse gets an amazing job offer somewhere else that they can, you know, keep their job with Cision and move to this new place and still be part of the team. So it'll be uh, fun to carve out a combination of those things and still have our like Austin office. Very cool. I've heard it said that going through an acquisition is very similar to like blending a family. Oh, yeah. Where mom brings some kids into the family and dad brings some kids mm -hmm. into the family. And there are these two completely different cultures that have to learn how to, yeah. how to intermix. Yeah. And and I imagine an acquisition has some similarities. It's fun. We're teaching them how to use Slack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully that quick, hopefully that catches on quickly for them. Oh yeah. I mean, when you have um, a bunch of different people, you need to collaborate on stuff. I sound like a commercial right now, but like, I just really love it because it makes it a lot easier than having 90,000 email chains. Yeah. It's <laughs> Slack was one of those things for us that when we started with it, it just took off. Mm -hmm. Like there was no twisting people's arms or trying to convince people, yeah. Hey, use this. It just worked. Uh -huh. and, and it, integrated itself pretty much. I know, especially coming from social media and like being extremely online because I'm on all the time for work and because I have a personal problem. Uh, it's uh, easy to assimilate that into the all the things that you're already doing. <laughs> so Sarah, we're a creative company mm -hmm. and we love storytelling. Yes. So that's what this is all about. So as a social content media manager, mm -hmm. tell us about the storytelling aspect of your job. How do you Ooh. find the right story and how do you tell the right story? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the trick that you're trying to pull every time you're working on a social campaign or even just writing a blog post. And I started out in journalism actually in college. So that is, I found really helpful because I have that background and mindset of you got to, you know, find the story and figure out how to tell it. And you got to figure out, um, you know, I gave a talk this morning on social data. And that's a great way to know your audiences in each place. And if you know what they want from you, then you're able to better tell that story because you know that on Facebook, they really want to build a community around your brand. Like Starbucks has a leaf rakers society where it's just a bunch of people go talk about how much they love Starbucks. So that's amazing for them. And they just don't even manage it. It's totally hands off. They just talk amongst themselves. So if you know that people want a space for that, you can kind of let them do the story and then you can guide it or add to it uh, as needed because a lot of brands still kind of have trouble letting go of the fact that you can't control the whole story all the time. Like your, your story is what other people are saying about your brand and you can be part of that conversation. And that's a big reason to have comprehensive social listening in place because then you know what people are saying and how and why and where. Um, and that way you can help the story, <laughs> especially if it's going badly. Can you tell us about a time when you let that social listening mm -hmm. or that yeah. data, right? Where mm -hmm. you let the data inform the story. Can you, can you tell us about a specific story where that came together? Oh yeah, we do. Um, we do a few like in-person events like this. And right now we have a tracker set up about the conference. So some people are coming by the table and they they see themselves in the, in the little, um, data and they see like, oh yeah, I tweeted 99 times today. <laughs> so it's great to be able to take that and have them see it and talk about, you know, what's going on when you're right there and you can check on it in real time. And that's, 
that's important if you're doing a campaign or something, you can adjust it while you're in the middle of it instead of just measuring at the end and then being like, oh no, something bad happened there. <laughs> gotcha. In your role, mm -hmm. do you spend more of your time focusing on what's being said about TrendKite mm -hmm. in social media, or are you focused more on TrendKite's trend kite, trend clients? Um, I just manage our social. So I'm looking at how people are talking to us and about us and things like that. Uh, we do not manage any of our customers' social. They get the analytics and they get to drive that themselves. Um we will have more of a capability around like scheduling things, but we still won't personally manage it. There's just a uh, decision acquired. Falcon is another social company and they have scheduling capabilities. Union metrics was always just data. So now we'll be able to have all of those things uh, combined in a new and exciting way. Got it. <laughs> what is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now? Mm. The integration, uh, you know, it's just the figuring out how we can take the best of everything and make it into something really big and special. So that's, you know, a lot of smart people are working on it. I think it's going to be amazing. But you do have that period where you you just got a lot to deal with. <laughs> what about for you personally? What, what, <laughs> what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Um Combining all of our social media presences into one brand umbrella, because there's a lot of disparate accounts and some different brands that Cision has acquired over the years. And some of them make a lot of sense to keep as a standalone uh, place to talk about that part of the business. But a lot of it, you know, some of them are old and haven't been used and we need to like shut them down. So it's just doing a census of all of that, figuring out um, how we want our brand voice to be and what we want to use as like a centralized place to talk about things. And then which other specialized um, brand accounts and things like that we should keep going because there's enough value there. Got it. Got it. Um, podcast is called From Poop to Gold, right? I love it. <laughs> Tell us about a situation where you took a really crappy situation and turned it into something special. We have, I mean, any brand that's on social media, you're going to have people yelling at you because they're upset about something. But it is really true that most people when they're doing that, like they just want to be heard. So the fact that you can respond to them and Tell has, them has it that you're listening. To, has it happened to you personally? Oh, or, yeah. Or Trendkite? <laughs> Tell us about a time. Oh, yeah. No, we, um, we've we had some people be like, your salespeople call us too much and they will leave a review about it on Facebook. So we take that seriously and we respond and we say, you know, we've in the past that was an issue at a sales tactic that we no longer use. And we did some retraining and it's, you know, we really want to know when that happens, because it's not something that should be happening. We don't want anyone to feel harassed. That's not, that's not good business. Uh, so we take that seriously and we respond and people usually are uh, happy to be heard. Um, uh, first of all, because they don't expect to get an answer a lot of times around things like that. Uh, so we're able to, you know, have them know that we're listening and that we care. And that is something that we really want to take care of. So Sarah, mm -hmm. obviously you're good at your job. A little bit. <laughs> now to be good at your job, you usually have to be passionate about it. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about what makes you tick. Oh, I mean, I could never have imagined having this job because it didn't exist until, you know, the past few years when I was in college, even 
you know, we had Facebook just launched. Uh, Twitter wasn't a thing yet. We didn't have all of these other social media platforms that are such a big part of our lives now. So it's been really fascinating for me to be able to kind of first start using it as just a young person and then growing into it professionally. It's um, the thing I love to harp on all the time is that human nature never changes. We are the same at our core as we have been for thousands of years. You find graffiti from ancient Rome that says the same <laughs> stuff that people graffiti now. <laughs> like your mom's ugly. You're like, wow, ancient <laughs> kids really were jerks too. But, you know, we just have these new methods of communication. So it's for me really fascinating to see at the core we don't change, but we have these new ways to talk to each other. And we sometimes use that for amazing things. And we sometimes use that for less amazing things. And it's just uh, constantly changing. So there's always something new to learn. And it's great that if you're careful about how you curate, you know, what you follow, you can have great experiences and really use these platforms to learn something and build real relationships. Or you can yell at brands. It's your choice. <laughs> In your opinion, what's the next big thing? That is an impossible question because you can really never predict like who would have thought that Facebook would still be here and be this big behemoth. You know, it might have gone the way of Friendster or something like that. And there's these new social networks that pop up all the time. Like uh, this morning, I remembered Yo when we would literally for two weeks just sit there and send each other a little Yo. That was all <laughs> it did. And they like... I try missed that one. <laughs> yeah, it was special. Which I'm, I'm super bummed about because <laughs> I like the word Yo. Well, maybe you can bring it back. Maybe this is, you know, is, is the nostalgia cycle that short now that we can do that? <laughs> but uh, things like that, you just you really never know how because it's such a combination of a great idea, people deciding that they want to get in on this idea, and then the platform being able to shift along with people's interests and passions for it changing too. So you have to be able to not be so rigid that people decide to leave because you no longer are offering you know a new version of what they first came there for. How how much traction does a platform have to get before TrendKite starts starts to cover it or collect data around it? Uh, we mostly have a lot of establishment things. Um, so, you know, we have uh, all the big social networks and things like that. But we do we do take into account what our customers need. So if we keep hearing over and over and over that we need to add uh, Reddit or something like that, that's something we take really seriously. And we take that to our product team and talk about how we can add it. Very cool. You guys see lots and lots of data. Mm -hmm. um, many of our listeners... So much data. Yes, lots. <laughs> Many of our listeners are entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. or oftentimes they're, they're influencers. Yeah. What would you say to our listeners in terms of three keys to success in the world of social media? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, definitely, you want to be very engaged with your audience. So you can't use a megaphone style approach where all you do is talk about your stuff. You need to actually build relationships with people. Like I said earlier, um, you know, human nature doesn't change. We just have these new tools to communicate with each other. So it's the same as if you're trying to build relationships with people. Now it's just amplified and it's everywhere in your pocket and you can always turn to it. 
don't get overwhelmed is the second that ties into that because it's easy to just let it absorb your life and get drowned in data. You've got to really focus on key things that matter for what your goals are. You find metrics that match those and you try to pay as much attention to those as you can and don't ignore everything else, but understand that, you know, as goals shift, you might shift what you're focusing on, but you don't want to just, you know, throw something out the window. And finally, you know, have fun with it, leave room to experiment, because sometimes it's those funny little one-off things that you didn't spend a long time planning that people really love and it really resonates with them. So if you leave that room to have fun with it and to experiment, you can really find the magic in those moments. What about pitfalls to avoid? <laughs> Ooh, okay. So newsjacking, um, a lot of people love that where you kind of take a trending topic or a news story. You called it newsjacking? That is what a lot of people, I hate, okay. I hate that term, but that's, <laughs> that's what it is commonly known as. Uh, you've got to be really careful if you decide to to use that strategy because... So, so tell us what that strategy yeah, is. Yeah, so it's basically, um, let's say I am a brand on Twitter and I see a hashtag that's trending and I decide I want to use that in one of my tweets because I want to get in on that uh, amplification that's happening got there. It. But I didn't check to see what it was. Like if you've got to like, you got to do <laughs> some... Yeah, no, this is... Be there are many classic examples of a PR crisis from a brand's own making because they didn't just do their due diligence before they decided... Because you want to be timely. You want to do it like right now. But sometimes it only takes 30 seconds to click through and find out that w you should not be joining that conversation. Like a few years ago... DiGiorno Pizza did this where they saw a hashtag why I stayed and they were like, you had pizza. And then it turns out that that was women and men using that to talk about why they had stayed in domestic abuse situations. Oh, no. Yeah. So that was they handled it as well as they possibly could have. Um, the person who did uh, made the tweet like deleted it, apologized, but then went through and apologized to each person that was upset with them and tweeting them angrily because it was legitimate that people would be angry about this. And they were sincerely apologizing to every single one of them. Like it was hundreds and probably maybe a thousands of tweets that they did. So, wow. but you could avoid that by doing a little research before you hit send. <laughs> that, that reminds me a lot of the, of the mom who sent her daughter a text, LOL, after she had just been dumped because she lots thought it was love. lots of love. No. Um, and then of course this was this would be that same mm -hmm. thing only with a megaphone that gets broadcast to the world. Yeah, and a secondary uh, reason that that can be a big pitfall is if you don't fully understand the nuance of something that's like a hot topic or, you know, a meme or something like that because something that was a harmless meme like 6 months ago might not be now. You just have to do as much um, work as you can to try and avoid that. I mean, you're going to have some kind of crisis situation happen at some point. So that's why it's important to have a plan in place for that and know who's in charge of it and everything. But, you know, just try to do your due diligence so it doesn't happen more than it should. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Living in this world of social media, mm -hmm. how do you best like to build your network and how do you blend the online with the in-person interactions? Well, it's great for events like this because, you know, you have a handy hashtag and you can go see uh, what everyone's saying and interact with them. And then 
if you think someone's funny, you know, you follow them and then you have this rapport that you've built up on Twitter and then you might run into them later at the event. You can hang out and get lunch. You can stay in touch over other networks and then maybe you'll see them at another conference. So that's a great way to make real friends with people and stay in touch with them. It's easier than it used to be. You know, you don't have to like mails, fax someone. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could still fax someone if you wanted to, but, uh, let me know if that's, if that's your preferred method of networking. I want to hear about it because that sounds like a great story. (laughs) (laughs) But for the most part, I just love, uh, the way that social allows you to stay connected to people if you meet them in person or gives you a way to meet people that you can then if you find yourselves in the same place, say, hey, you know, let's meet up and maybe we'll be real life friends. I have made some legitimate friends through Twitter. <laughs> awesome. Where can our listeners go to learn more about TrendKite? And where can our listeners go to learn more about you? Ooh, okay. So we have a website, obviously, TrendKite.com. Uh, new and exciting things coming soon. So you can find TrendKite um, on Twitter is probably the best place if you want to chat with us at TrendKite, T-R-E-N-D-K-I-T-E, just Trend and Kite put together. And Cision also is C-I-S-I-O-N. So you can find us uh, and chat with us and it will probably be me who's chatting back to you on the other side of the handle. But we also are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at TrendKite. Um, you can find Cision in all the same places at Cision. And you can find me at SparkerWorks, all one word on Twitter. It's uh, my first and last name put together there. S. Parker. <laughs> nice. S. Parker works. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And if you want to keep up with all of our upcoming events and things like that, you can check out our blog, which is blog.trendkite.com. And it is called PR Forward. PR Forward. Where you can find all of my great latest hits in written form. <laughs> Love it. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show. To- thanks again, Sarah. <laughs> thank we loved you. having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Make sure to like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next one. As entrepreneurs and small businesses, we all kind of reach that point where we know we've created something awesome and we want to share it with the world, right? Uh-huh. And it's that very next step that can oftentimes be really intimidating or really scary, or you just don't know where to go next, right? And the beautiful thing about this 14-day script challenge is you get your hand held from, okay, you have this cool product, now let's go research and find the exact way to present it and message it to the world in a way that resonates and gets people excited and they're ready to swipe their credit card and purchase. And in the 14-day script challenge, you get the opportunity to go through that step-by-step with our writers who have done it dozens and dozens of times. You actually watch us go through each of the steps ourselves and create it with a real client, a real product, and um, it's a real campaign that's out there that's been very successful. That's right. And the feedback that we've had on this thing has just been phenomenal. I mean, we get comment after comment and emails flowing in from people all over the world who have just uh, raved about the impact that this has had on their business. People tell us over and over again, it is just a huge value punch for the investment for this 14-day script challenge and, and really gave them the tool set they needed to walk through it and make it happen. And we've had dozens of students who have successfully taken the challenge, written their script, launched their ad campaigns, and driven success for their business. It's pretty amazing. For more information, go to hbros.co slash script. That's H-B-R-O-S 
www.cdesigner.co slash script.